Section 20 of Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave, written by himself. Chapter 20 Review of my Narrative Licentiousness a Prop of Slavery A Case of Mild Slavery Given Its Revolting Features Times of My Purchase and Sale by Professed Christians Concluding Remarks I now conclude my narrative by reviewing briefly what I have written. This little work has been written without any personal aid or a knowledge of the English grammar, which must in part be my apology for many of its imperfections. I find in several places where I have spoken out the deep feelings of my soul in trying to describe the horrid treatment which I have so often received at the hands of slaveholding professors of religion that I might possibly make a wrong impression on the minds of some northern freemen who are unacquainted theoretically or practically with the customs and treatment of american slaveholders to their slaves i hope that it may not be supposed by any that i have exaggerated in the least for the purpose of making out the system of slavery worse than it really is for to exaggerate upon the cruelties of this system would be almost impossible and to write herein the most horrid features of it would not be in good taste for my book I have long thought from what has fallen under my own observation while a slave that the strongest reason why southerners stick with such tenacity to their peculiar institution is because licentious white men could not carry out their wicked purposes among the defenceless colored population as they now do without being exposed and punished by law if slavery was abolished female virtue could not be trampled under foot with impunity and marriage among the people of color kept in utter obscurity on the other hand lest it should be said by slaveholders and their apologists that i have not done them the justice to give a sketch of the best side of slavery if there can be any best side to it therefore in conclusion they may have the benefit of the following case that fell under the observation of the writer and i challenge america to show a milder state of slavery than this I once knew a Methodist in the state of Kentucky, by the name of Young, who was the owner of a large number of slaves, many of whom belonged to the same church with their master. They worshipped together in the same church. Mr. Young never was known to flog one of his slaves or sell one. He fed and clothed them well, and never overworked them. He allowed each family a small house to themselves, with a little garden spot, whereon to raise their own vegetables, and a part of the day on Saturdays was allowed them to cultivate it. In process of time, he became deeply involved in debt by endorsing notes, and his property was all advertised to be sold by the sheriff at public auction. It consisted in slaves, many of whom were his brothers and sisters in the church. On the day of sale, there were slave traders and speculators on the ground to buy. The slaves were offered on the auction block one after another, until they were all sold before their old master's face. The first man offered on the block was an old gray-headed slave by the name of Richard. 
his wife followed him up to the block, and when they had bid him up to seventy or eighty dollars, one of the bidders asked Mr. Young what he could do, as he looked very old and infirm. Mr. Young replied by saying, he is not able to accomplish much manual labor, from his extreme age and hard labor in early life. Yet I would rather have him than many of those who are young and vigorous, who are able to perform twice as much labor, because I know him to be faithful and trustworthy, a Christian in good standing in my church. I can trust him anywhere with confidence. He has toiled many long years on my plantation, and I have always found him faithful. This giving him a good Christian character caused them to run him up to near two hundred dollars. His poor old companion stood by weeping and pleading that they might not be separated. But the marriage relation was soon dissolved by the sale, and they were separated never to meet again. Another man was called up whose wife followed him with her infant in her arms, beseeching to be sold with her husband, which proved to be all in vain. After the men were all sold, they then sold the women and children. They ordered the first woman to lay down her child and mount the auction block. She refused to give up her little one, and clung to it as long as she could, while the cruel lash was applied to her back for disobedience. She pleaded for mercy in the name of God, but the child was torn from the arms of its mother amid the most heart-rending shrieks from the mother and child on the one hand, and bitter oaths and cruel lashes from the tyrants on the other. Finally, the poor little child was torn from the mother while she was sacrificed to the highest bidder. In this way, the sale was carried on from beginning to end. There was each speculator with his handcuffs to bind his victims after the sale, and while they were doing their writings, the Christian portion of the slaves asked permission to kneel in prayer on the ground before they separated, which was granted and while bathing each other with tears of sorrow on the verge of their final separation, their eloquent appeals and prayer to the Most High seemed to cause an unpleasant sensation upon the ears of their tyrants, who ordered them to rise and make ready their limbs for the caffles. And as they happened not to bound at the first sound, they were soon raised from their knees by the sound of the lash, and the rattle of the chains, in which they were soon taken off by their respective masters, husbands from wives, and children from parents, never expecting to meet until the judgment of the great day. Then Christ shall say to the slaveholding professors of religion, Inasmuch as ye did it unto one of the least of these little ones, my brethren, ye did it unto me. Having thus tried to show the best side of slavery that I can conceive of, the reader can exercise his own judgment in deciding whether a man can be a Bible Christian and yet hold his Christian brethren as property, so that they may be sold at any time in market, as sheep or oxen, to pay his debts. During my life in slavery I have been sold by professors of religion several times. In 1836, Brother Albert G. Sibley of Bedford, Kentucky, sold me for $850 to Brother John Sibley and in the same year he sold me to Brother William Gatewood of Bedford for $850. In 1839, Brother Gatewood sold me to Madison Garrison, a slave trader of Louisville, Kentucky, with my wife and child, at a depreciated price because I was a runaway. In the same year he sold me with my family to Brother Whitfield in the city of New Orleans for $1,200. In 1841, 
In 1841, Brother Whitfield sold me from my family to Thomas Wilson and Company, Blacklegs. In the same year, they sold me to a brother in the Indian Territory. I think he was a member of the Presbyterian Church. F. E. Whitfield was a deacon in regular standing in the Baptist Church. A. Sibley was a Methodist exhorter of the M. E. Church in good standing. J. Sibley was a class leader in the same church, and William Gatewood was also an acceptable member of the same church. Is this Christianity? Is it honest or right? Is it doing as we would be done by? Is it in accordance with the principles of humanity or justice? I believe slaveholding to be a sin against God and man under all circumstances. I have no sympathy with the person or persons who tolerate and support the system willingly and knowingly, morally, religiously, or politically. Prayerfully and earnestly relying on the power of truth and the aid of the divine providence, I trust that this little volume will bear some humble part in lighting up the path of freedom and revolutionizing public opinion upon this great subject. And I here pledge myself, God being my helper, ever to contend for the natural equality of the human family without regard to color, which is but fading matter, while mind makes the man. New York City, May 1, 1849. Henry Bibb. End of chapter 20. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. End of Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave, written by himself.